Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Armed with only food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola, what five records would you want? Oh, and we'll get to know our guests along the way. So it's November now in Colorado, and uh, it's getting cold. I was on a bike ride today up Flagstaff, and uh, on the way down, I couldn't feel my face or my fingers. So the the idea of uh, being stranded in a zombie apocalypse in the mountains is uh, feeling more, uh, you know, um, identifiable right now. Yeah. Um, our guest today is Jeremy Moni, who is an incredible multi-instrumentalist, jazz musician, clarinet, saxophone, vocals. He is a young guy who is uh, very nostalgic for um, a time that he didn't live in, you know, the earliest days of jazz. And he um, has an incredible sense of humor and 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 heart and uh, uh, liver as well. <laughs> He's a drinker. Jeremy has a new album out that's called Gold Hill Serenade, and inspired by the amazing Gold Hill Inn, that if you've spent any time in the Boulder area, uh, you, you've at least heard about. It's it's legendary, and it's uh, it's been around for about a hundred years and that whole area is, is just magical in in that uh, it feels like you're going back in time and you also can't use your phone so you're definitely in a state of uh, very necessary magic with that as well but um, I'm excited to talk with Jeremy and once again I'm Adam and um, this is Mile High Stash I, um, I'm probably going to say this a lot, but I have, um, a lifelong, uh, speech impediment stutter. I think the British call it a stammer and, um, I'm not going to edit this to pretend that I don't have that. So, uh, if you don't like my stutter and, and maybe the pauses and the, the, uh, sounding like a, a broken record sometime, sometimes then, uh, don't listen or uh you know my venmo is uh adam ice nine saying if you want to help out with some therapy but anyway uh thanks for listening and here's a little bit of jeremy's new album before we talk Today on Mile High Stash, uh, this, uh, this episode is brought to you by Ozo Coffee, and they were nice enough to um, uh, provide some delicious espresso. Um, it is called Isabel, and we're drinking it right now. It includes cocoa nibs, toasted marshmallow, and molasses, and I gotta say, those are the flavor tones. Yeah, yeah, that's the right tone. Some of that, yeah, yeah. I was getting hints of uh, roasted coffee, which uh, <laughs> it's nice. I mean, it's it tastes strong and it tastes flavorful at the same time. And I think maybe a connoisseur, but I I don't know. I I think I've always had had a good time at Ozo Coffee. I've always I've known some uh, well, a good good bass player I know, Will Kipper. Yeah. He's with uh, Sturtz, and mm. and he's active on the jazz scene around here. He, he was a uh, he was pretty active with the Ozo Coffee business there. Yeah. So, so um, in in case you haven't uh, realized that yet, our guest today is the multi instrumentalist Jeremy Money, and I believe he's a Boulder native. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I was uh, 
born in a small log hospital somewhere in Boulder, Colorado. How old are you, Jeremy? I'm 31. 31. Oh my gosh. So the first time I remember meeting you was at the No Name Bar where you you played for many years and I don't even know if you were old enough to drink now that I realize how long ago that was. I plead the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> you drank a fifth. <laughs> oh. uh, that reminds me, a lot of jazz musicians, they don't know. Some of them, you know, they might flat their fifths, but others might drink them, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Keep it groovy, baby. When did you get into jazz, Jeremy? That's complicated. Uh, well, my grandfather at an early age got me into swing music, which in my mind wasn't jazz. But according to jazz history, I would end up being wrong and... I'd learned to, uh, I don't know, as many of us do, uh, accept a lot of, a lot of things that expanded, uh, our horizons, right? What age were you when you got into this swing? Uh, two weeks old. I two guess. weeks old? Yeah, my grandfather, he would, uh, you know, drive me around in the car when people would be at work or he you know he that was his sort of thing and we always had a close relationship and especially when I was young you know if something was going on or even if it wasn't he'd just load us up in the car and or us I can't say us it was just me and yeah me and him and we'd go drive around and listen to all these old swing tapes that he had from well you know have you ever had a period in your life where you strayed from jazz and just said, I want to listen to rock and roll now? Or? Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. You know, in high school, I got into the the sorts of things that maybe a high school boy going to Boulder High in Boulder, Colorado mm. might get into. And, you know, things like Jimi Hendrix and Pink Floyd and the Beatles sounded good to me. And it it still does, and I I have a deep appreciation for all types of music. But I guess I don't know. I get confused when I when I'm talking about music I like as opposed to music that I feel is sort of my language with music. You know. Yeah. Was the saxophone your first instrument? No, my first instrument. I guess uh, coming back to my grandfather. Yeah. He had a piano, and I would uh, figure out things like dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. Well, things I'd heard. So I guess that was my first instrument, but I never, ever took it seriously. But In fifth grade, band class got me started on trumpet, and then I decided that reeds were more my style, so I switched to clarinet. Mm-hmm. I liked to... Uh, even in those days, I was inspired by Glenn Miller's reed section using a clarinet lead or mm-hmm. players like Artie Shaw or Benny Goodman. I was already listening to them, and I wanted to sound like them. And I, I don't know what other stuff people were listening to at that time, like Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Or... My Chemical Romance. Sure, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. yeah. I can think of a lot of bands from back then. I don't know. I, I and I guess we kind of have a, one of those uh, one of those confusing generations where there's no real voice of our generation, is there? You know, there's mm-hmm. these different genres, but like who is really the So you were born in 1990? 91. 91. Yeah, so by the time you were of a pop music age i think it had changed from having you know the eddie vetters mm-hmm. of the world to having these manufactured that hard rock and even some of that stuff like that metal the new metal yeah and the new metal but then the you know alternative sound like yeah pop punk some people call it or but also the britney spears and insync of the world spears and yeah and there's no clarinet the in that. Of, what is the voice of and and somehow swing music became my voice in, yeah. in that time over all that other stuff. Who knows? Why? And you stuck with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It never went away. I mean, like I said, in high school, I definitely was into, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Pink Floyd. And and uh, I moved on and started playing more music, like, uh, inspired maybe by, like, P-Funk and, and James Brown and, and trying to get into that funk scene. There's a vibrant funk scene in Colorado that I appreciate, you know? So Yeah. It's really cool, but... I don't know. I, I've always felt like swing is my voice. Yeah. So speaking of Colorado, the notion of a, a mile high stash is that um, you can picture you've spent a lot of time in the mountains. And, um, you know, if if there was a zombie apocalypse and you somehow escaped. No, I'm not telling you where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and you, um, you know, you escape to a non-disclosed location and um, there, you have no family and friends there, but you know that you have uh, food and water and only one real item in, inside this, uh, whether it's a cabin or it's uh, a bunker of some sort, it would be a uh, crank-powered Victrola which is from the swing age too, you know. Right, yeah. And even before. Your Mile High Stash is your five records. And you mentioned to me when we talked about doing this that some of the the artists that you love. Well, you mentioned uh, bring your five favorite albums. Right. But a lot of the artists that I listened to, they came from a time before albums. Exactly. If that's possible to imagine for some of us yeah um, it counts as a record you know yeah. and there would be one track on each side most likely yeah even going back further there would only be one track on right one side and back in those early days yeah so your first choice number one would have to be moonlight serenade by glenn miller why well i've done a lot of sitting with that music and and there's a lot of a lot of thoughts i have about it it's you know jazz critics might come after me saying that it's too white bread or too pop or this or that to, to be considered jazz and i might even agree with them in, in a lot of cases but that's not the point of his music is it does swing when it needs to but he's he's sort of telling a different story that doesn't have to be jazz. I don't know, and and that is what it is. And and that being said, his jazz was good. Maybe it wasn't the best, but there's there's something to be said about the consistency of that band. The way each arrangement for each song, even though it's a different song, would be would have this familiar quality to it that you would know when you heard it that it was Glenn Miller even even if you'd never heard that song before right and that that's so that's so meaningful to me and you know take other artists that I really consider like Louis Armstrong or or people like that I don't I don't know it's like it, it, it's, it's not it's not a comparison of quality of it even it's just how it makes me feel that that song, Moonlight Serenade, really, it could bring a tear to my eye. And that's <laughs> that's a feeling that you would want to have Yeah, you with know, you. between my, my grandfather and the memories I have with him and, and all of the just moments where I sat down and listened to that song and just made me feel better. And, and holding that as a something... That means something to me. That that's really that song is my favorite song. I want to ask you about this new album, yeah. the Gold Hill uh, Serenade. Yeah, the Gold Hill Serenade. Yeah. So we go from Moonlight Serenade to Gold Hill Serenade. Why Gold Hill? Gold Hill. Hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. And and I'm sure you've had some good nights up there too, haven't you? I've had some of 
my happiest nights of my life. I was going to say some of the best <laughs> times. Yep. Mm. I don't know. And, and uh, there's something about the place. And, and I've talked to people that live there. And it, it, it's certainly this almost these days an unimaginable escape from our reality that they say is, you know, this, this guy I know up there, George, he says it's like a, it's like stepping back to the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you feel like you could walk down, down somewhere and just put in a job at a mine and just right. start digging. And <laughs> yeah. And that's really what the town looks like. And, and there's a lot of things from the past for better or worse that, that a lot of us have nostalgia for, and it means something because each and every one of us had family that was alive. Well, going back to, depending on what you believe, the, the first cell in the primordial mm. soup, you yeah. know? Where there's, a, there's a lot to be said for traditions, whether, whether the, I don't know, it's, the Gold Hill Inn is one of these places that, you know, um, the lodge next door has been there for 120 years or something like that. Right. Up the Bluebird Lodge. And then the inn is not as old as that. Um, you know, but the Finn family has been running it for 60 years now. Yeah. Um, and, and It kind of reminds me of a, uh, up there, it reminds me of a, like Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know how when they, they have the town meeting and they have everyone's name at the back of the hall where you can see everyone's name that's on the town council and every single one of them, last name is Johnson. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Gold Hill is, but, you know, it's, and not to say that, not to make it political or anything, it's just the opposite. It's 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 sort of one of those uh, old school family real deal <laughs> well if you walk in there might be a a member of the finn family working the door running the kitchen mm-hmm. running the whole place which is brian and then working at the bar or yeah, as a waiter they're all, they're all on the firefighting yeah yeah that too. <laughs> they all they all, they're all yeah. firefighters up there and they all they all keep that town running i don't i, I don't even think it's technically a town anymore but it's like incorporated, you know. Yeah, because it's, it's they, Boulder um, County now. It's not. It's a yeah. It's got the same it's zip a community. Code. You would call mm-hmm. it. It's, it doesn't have a post office or a, or a town hall right. or any sort of politics. But yeah, it's been there since the old railroad days back back before yeah. there were any roads up there. You know. Well, the mountain town nostalgia. And and uh, and all that seems to fit really well with the nostalgia of your music, which I, the only adjective that I can think to describe your music is transporting, you know, because it's from another time. And yet you're not just doing standards, you're writing. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know what it is. It's this sort of urge to revisit a time that I've never experienced and and people have told me even that it wouldn't be that great to go back to that time <laughs> and I believe them but right. there's something about the the culture at that time and the the sort of tenacity and drive that people had and and they're you know a lot of times they're seemingly uh, almost naive joy meeting there just unwillingness to let go and and just fade you know they have to mm-hmm. they they really i don't know uh, there's something about the great depression and people some i heard somebody comparing it to our later uh like more recent in our lifetime economic crises you know like but the big difference back then, culturally, not not to say politically or economically, but the big difference back then was that people looked at it like, what did we do wrong? Mm. How can we get ourselves out of this? And they were looking to things 
looking for things to inspire them. And it seems like nowadays, and uh, I'm not saying people are wrong about what they're complaining about, but it seems like nowadays people are just more willing to complain. Instead of have ideas. And, and, and not, and people are willing to come up with ideas, but nowadays people are more willing to step over each other or, you know, and it seems like even, even though uh, technology didn't allow them to have the same sort of closeness that we have nowadays or seem to, they, they all understood some way to band together around a certain quality that for better or worse defined itself and and I would like to say that for the most part it's been a it's been a good ride right mm-hmm. I don't know if you could have a midnight in paris moment where you know you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you're in the time that you have the most well, not exactly nostalgia for it because you didn't live in that time, but more of a yearning for uh, uh, where where would you be and when would you be? Is there a certain mm. uh, uh, jazz club? You know, would you want to see um, Buddy Bolden? Ooh, yeah, seeing Buddy Bolden. That would be incredible. Or seeing Glenn Miller, right? Yeah. That, that would be, if I could see him somewhere. Uh, it reminds me, I... I visited New York and visited the the Hotel Pennsylvania, which is, uh, I don't know if they've, they they either have just now torn it down or they're about to, and it's right across the street from Madison Square Garden and right. Penn Station. But back in the day, Glenn Miller used to play there, and I've always imagined, what if I could, you know, like, like you can catch an airplane to Aruba for mm-hmm. so much money, and what if you could pay that? pay a bunch of money and just go see Glenn Miller at the <laughs> yeah you know I don't know uh, there's there's thoughts like that I don't know but all those bands all those places I'd, I'd want to see them all yeah like, and it, it'd be impossible if you wanted to see everything of even something specific nowadays you wouldn't be able to right I was just going to say anybody listening to the show especially around the world somewhere that they don't get to experience live jazz. If you see a Jeremy Money show um, or listen to this new album, Gold Hill Serenade, which is fantastic, it is like getting on an airplane to the Hotel Pennsylvania or the Cotton Club, which we, right. <laughs> we mentioned earlier. Yeah, we were talking about the Cotton Club. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, it's a lot of people like Cab Calloway and Duke Ellington. Yeah. They were all the headliners at the Cotton Club back in the day. All these illustrious. Chick Webb. Well, Chick Webb was at the Savoy. Oh, okay. And uh, and Fletcher Henderson was where? Where was he? He was at the the Roseland, something like that. You talk about jazz the way I talk about baseball. Yeah, it's very, very well. Similar. It's interesting with these big bands. The way they would run their big bands was very much like a baseball team, where you know you need a first baseman, so you gotta. You gotta have your first baseman lined up and have a contract for him to make sure he doesn't dip out and plays mm-hmm. plays the season with you in every position in the band the way a baseball team was. Yeah. What is the number two album? Oh, what is the number two? You would take with you to this this cabin or enclave or bunker. Hmm. That's hard because. I do have a favorite, and that's not a, a musical value. It's more of a sentimental thing, you know. But but I do have a few things in my mind, like uh, like Bobby Hackett's Coast concert. He did that with Tommy Dorsey. It's a it's a full album. Tom or not Tommy Dorsey, uh, Jack Teagarden, excuse me. Um. <clears throat> and a who's who of, uh, of uh, Eddie Condon school cats, and 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 it was sort of a culmination of that school of players, and and I remember the first time I heard that record, I didn't even know what it was really, or I I knew who Bobby Hackett was somewhat, 
he'd played with Glenn Miller, but I heard it, and it, and it was one of the first times I got the chance to listen to a jazz record, not just a jazz record, but something like a, you know, where, where it is part of my sound, and, but, and it's a vinyl, and you can sit there and read the liner notes. Oh, man, that was an experience. When did you start collecting jazz albums? Uh, well, I have a pretty small collection. Uh, I don't remember when it was exactly, but I got a record player because I realized how cheap these records are, these old records that even then it seemed like nobody cared about them at all. And some of these jazz records, still nobody cares about them. They're gold to me. Yeah. Know? Did you have a certain record store in, in Boulder where you would find these gems? Yeah, Bart's on Pearl. Bart's yeah. on Pearl, the old I remember one. Remember when you walk upstairs there? Oh, yeah. Right above o- Ozo where, yep. where Ozo is now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walk up there and they they wouldn't even bat an eye. I don't know what was wrong with them. They'd let me sit there and spin records all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never buy a thing and they they never said anything. And, well... It's great when you find that heaven. Yeah. That way. Especially when it's yours and you feel like, why isn't anyone else interested in this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was so thankful. Because, you know, I've been listening to music like that, but they let me hear. And, you know, they didn't even care about the stuff. and That wasn't what they were listening to. And They saw, they probably looked at the records after the fact and were like, oh, he's just listening to weird jazz records yeah. that nobody's going to buy anyway, so... Might as well let them scratch the hell out of them. (laughs) I don't know. how you chose who was going to play on this Gold Hill Serenade album? Well, I'd have to thank Mr. Matt Cantor first. He's a a great player. He's the lead guitarist on the album. We've been playing music for over a decade now together in various different projects. You've both been in the Widow's Bane, but not at the same time. Well, we were in the Widow's Bane at the same time for a little bit there. Were you in the video for Don't Be Afraid, It's Only Death? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so you well, were. Well, no, that was Norman, though. No, you were right. That wasn't that, you. That wasn't me. It was, Shit. It was somebody who <laughs> you were Breaking playing. character. Who, Sorry, I, don't know. I mean uh, Mortimer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your solo in that song on that record just comes through with a sense of, you know, jubilation in the way that a um, uh, Sidney Bechet solo would. Sure. And it I just mean, fits in this. I'm glad you think that. Oh, it's gorgeous. It takes a, takes a people to think and say those sort of things, or, or maybe sometimes for it to really mean something somehow. I'm just trying to put it out there. <laughs> so Matt Cantor, who has been in Gypsy Moon and Gasoline Lollipops and The Widow's Bane... Uh, nope. Plays guitar. Is that all he plays on on the on the record? That is all he plays. He plays his because uh, he's also Jeton Selmer style gypsy jazz guitar. Yeah, and that's all he plays. Just no, no instrument was plugged into any sort of amplifier or any sort of. We just put a mic in front of you, and that's what you get. Wow. We just pressed record and. I'm sure there were a few little edits to kind of get a good mix, but for the that's just the way we sound in the room, you know. And who else is on the record? 
Uh, Kevin Johnson on rhythm guitar. He's a good friend of mine. Connor Hollingsworth on the upright bass. The upright doghouse, if you will. Yeah. He's a master of the slap. That that old time slap that... Uh... Oh, man, I wish I was better with names. Because this guy is really famous. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to say his name because then... <laughs> That'd be more embarrassing, but he's he's a, he's that guy that you, you know you just take that guy that you think would be really good, mm-hmm. you know, and he's better than that guy. That's, and he's better that's than what I'm talking guy. about. Um, so Connor's like that guy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Rafael Castillo Halverson, he's another Boulder native, along with me and Matt, and uh, went to Fairview. I went to Boulder High. Go mm-hmm. Panthers. <laughs> You know, once a panther, always a panther, but once a night enough, you know. Once a night is enough. That's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> I haven't figured out where. Let me start over. Once a panther, always a panther, but once a night's enough. Go Panthers. <laughs> Do you still go to Boulder High football games and sit there with a, <laughs> a little flask? <laughs> nope, I don't. <laughs> you should. I'll go with you. That would be, that'd I was be gonna a make a joke that nobody would understand <laughs> um yeah, that's not my uh you know what is this texas i don't know maybe <laughs> that could be fun going to a boulder high game i will go with you <laughs> for sure i would love that <laughs> you'll keep me out of trouble right yeah i'll be the streaker <laughs> the streaker. <laughs> i'll be the streaker at the boulder fairview game <laughs> with my butt cheeks painted purple and gold <laughs> Number three, what is the what is the third album you would bring with you? Third album. It doesn't have to be an album, as you said. Back to Glenn Miller. I, I don't know. I guess like, yeah, I, I'm gonna say Glenn Miller's entire uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, discography, other than Moonlight Serenade, because I already said that. But uh, that is an album technically too the, yeah the compilation of his entire discography has been released as an album so, so you would want to hear a lot of glenn miller in, the, in this situation yeah you know yeah. or uh ooh, here's another good one Artie shaw self-portrait is that number four man i don't know i don't want to put these in order <laughs> moonlight serenades at the top okay yeah but Artie shaw self-portrait yeah that one he's got a Man, that guy was a genius. He really, he was a troubled genius, and he had a big uh, ego and personality, and he had a hard time. Um, it's something I can relate to. I I can get a little just too big for my britches sometimes. I'm really I, there's things in in my mind that I want to get out that just shouldn't even be there in the first place, but. They want to come out, and, I, and they have to. Otherwise, I don't feel like I. I just, you know, you know what I mean. I know what you're saying. You got something to say, and nobody, and and it might even be nobody needs to hear it. It's not even that nobody wants to hear it. Nobody needs to. It's practically useless, but it's just tugging at your heartstrings. And can you express that? 
for oh, your horn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, sometimes. Do you sometimes. feel like when you're improvising that? Yeah, uh, I mean it. It definitely comes out. I don't know. I guess it does come through in, on my horn better even. Yeah. You know, I feel like I can really articulate my emotions on the horn. And I, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's so easy for me to get bogged down with thoughts and concepts and, yeah. and, and things that politicians or psychiatrists should be dealing with that, Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so easy for me to get bogged down in that. And, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but something something else about Artie Shaw. <laughs> not, not only was he crazy and temperamental, but he really uh, was, uh, un, you know, he was he was so famous. He was a celebrity and so so famous but people never really respected his talent and and for what it was he was really a genius on the clarinet you know and he was famous for at one moment he uh he got off of a dance gig somewhere and the jitterbuggers the teenagers that all came out to see him they were all crazy because he was so famous and so good they couldn't believe their minds. They spent the whole gig just screaming at him. Mm. And and at one point, some a couple of dancers rushed the stage and jumped on the stage with a band, and then they were swinging around doing aerials, they call them, in, in swing dancing. And one of the dancers kicked him in the elbow while he was playing. This is what the Beatles were. You know, and, and people Accustomed didn't really notice well. it, and he was pissed, and he just kept playing the gig, and it... And he was so pissed, and and he got backstage, and a, some reporter managed to follow him back in there and asked him, oh, well, what do you think about this jitterbug increase? The guy didn't even see him get kicked by the, the dancers. Yeah. And he's like, what do you think of this jitterbug increase? Isn't it great? And he said, jitterbugs are morons. And then he slammed the dressing room door. And it made front page news, Yeah. and he almost lost his job. But can't you understand that frustration that, you know, maybe he has so much privilege being the the biggest name in music in the world at the time and 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 the, the glory and the honor of having that, but he still puts his pants on like the rest of us. And maybe he does shit sprinkles, but... <laughs> <laughs> he was the Kurt Cobain of jazz, it sounds yeah, like. he really was. Yeah. He never he never killed himself, but he retired at a young age, and mm-hmm. and uh, he lived. He was born sometime in the teens, and he lived until two thousand four. Which I remember hearing about his death, and I was surprised that he was still even alive. Yeah, jeez. And and uh, oh, what was I saying? Yeah, the guy. I don't know. He's nuts. He he's so good, and he was. A luminary for the music and 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 jazz and the clarinet. He he put an end to the jazz clarinet. Like for that period and where jazz clarinet was going, there was he was the best. Nobody could touch him.
What's your process with writing these lyrics for these songs? Because a lot of people don't, a lot of people think if you do jazz nowadays, it's, it's instrumental, but you actually have these sweet and amazing vocals. Hmm. I don't know. It just pops into your head and... Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes I know exactly what it is, and I have this rhyme, and it, it's catchy, and it, it's maybe kind of funny, and it maybe it like barely makes sense, you know, and I, that's fun, and I'll just kind of scratch through it and mm-hmm. try to make it rhyme, and I don't know, it's, there's something, I, I always surprise myself, I don't know how I do it, but some somehow you have to like get these you get you get a melody and then you hear a word fitting in there, and a, a story coming out of that word. But then how how do you get all the other words mm-hmm. to fit in there rhythmically and rhyme, which is where some people end up stopping because they don't. But also tell a story. I don't I don't know how I do it. Just I sit there and. I, I sit there with rhyme dictionaries online and look up every word that could possibly rhyme with that word and and see how it fits into this. And, and, and a story develops, and I try to complete the story. I don't know. It's, it's sort of the way I come at these melodies, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, sometimes to me the melody is more important than the, the lyrics. Right. Which, uh, I don't know, it... It reminds me, I heard somebody say that when they listen to music, or somebody was interviewing people at a rock concert or something, and they asked a crowd of people, what do you like most about the music? And most people responded, the lyrics are meaningful to me, or I relate to the lyrics, something like that. But it's to me, the lyrics are good, and I, I love poetry and, and literature, and I think that's very important. And you're a writer, you're a musician, you're a poet, uh, you, and I guess so am I, right? You know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think something that gets forgotten is just the music, the notes, the instruments, and the, and the way that just those things make us feel without having to put words to it, you know, and, and the way I write my songs, I try to make the words and the content of the lyrics and the story of the song. I want there to be a story and I want it to be coherent, but the focus is really just how the music sounds and makes you feel. And so there's the story, but it's just kind of simple and floating and it rhymes Mm -hmm. nicely and but then you can kind of get lost, and when that when I stop singing and start playing the saxophone, or yeah. somebody else comes in with a solo, or whatever, you know, it's like I want it to be. You're not focused on anything. And a lot of people like to get political. I don't want to do that, you know. I don't want, or a lot of people like to make it at least some sort of statement with their music, and I'm actively not trying to do that kind of the only statement i'm trying to make is enjoy the music i don't know there's these struggles in entertainment or culture and history that i i have problems maybe i don't even disagree with you but i don't want the politics to taint what could bring us together and and just move past those politics and at at the end of the day and not we don't need. Maybe we don't need to talk about these things. Maybe maybe we don't need to make a new law to fix this. Maybe we can just look each other in the eye and shake hands and promise to be better. I don't. Yeah. Like, well, one thing's for sure is that zombies don't care about you know your political yes. uh, beliefs or the color of your skin. They just they just want to yeah. eat your brains. Well, yeah. So you're in this. I'm not sure if they want to eat my brain. I think I did a number on that one. <laughs> they might be turned off by, <laughs> by that. Um, they might like it, though. Might kind of. Maybe it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I'll be like the, what's his name? Uh, tune in. 
turn off, drop out guy. Timothy Leary. Timothy, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll be. You can change the zombies. The zombies will have your brain. My brain trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why is this brain so? (laughs) This brain feels funny. That is the solution to the zombie apocalypse. The zombies have Jeremy Money's brain in it. And then, and then they just become normal people. Yeah, you know. Then they, and then we, eventually give them the right to vote. Yeah. After (laughs) an unfairly long time for. Seemingly no reason. In it. <laughs> okay, before you sacrifice your brain to the zombies for the betterment of of the yeah. the, the uh, few, you want that fifth album or survivors? Did I already give you the fifth? Album? You got to pick a fifth album. Fifth album. Uh, all right, I said already. One more. That's it. Oh, you got to pick yourself up a Django Reinhardt compilation. Mm. I'm not going to tell you which one, and but you want a compilation, something that, something that covers his early works, you know, some of his some of his stuff coming out of the mid '30s. That can you talk about his influence on you, um, not only as a, a musician but uh, as a character? You well, know? as a character, man, how inspiring could you be? I mean, I don't know if you've heard the story of Django Reinhardt, but. As a kid, he, some somebody in his family started him learning the banjo, hoping that it would get some money for him and his future. And he had a real talent for it. He lived in a caravan. He, he woke up one night and realized the caravan was on fire. And he had a couple seconds to figure out what to do. And what he should have done was run. But then he reached for the banjo. And he grabbed the banjo. And it burned his hand. And then he, uh... Yeah, he could only play with two fingers, effectively. All these solos. And he had to reteach himself how to play guitar. With two fingers. And he did it himself. And he changed music. I mean, he's one of the most... And he became the most influential jazz artist to ever come out of Europe. He was so talented that when the Nazis occupied Paris, he didn't leave. And since he was a gypsy, by order of Hitler, they were supposed to kill him. But since he was so talented, they, they never did. Have you heard of and, Arthur and, Briggs? And there's other stories where he would, uh, he would, it would come to summer. Stefan Grappelli, his famous violinist com- mm-hmm. companion, um, would, especially like getting on into their earlier fame, moving into the later 30s, he would start to dread summer because Django would be sitting there negotiating with all these promoters, like setting up this tour for the summer. But then, like, the end of May rolls around. Where's Django? Where's this stuff? He would just dip out and just, like, set these people up for failure and then just go fish. He would go (laughs) camp and fish and literally hide. And then sometime when the summer was over, he he wouldn't apologize. He he wouldn't be like, "Oh, sorry. I like I just needed time off." Like <laughs> he'd just show up and be like, "Oh, do you have any gigs?" <laughs> right. <laughs> in in even the Nazis put up with that. God, how can that? How can that? The legend. That's amazing. Yeah. That is that is unreal. That can't but it did. Oh, man. It, it, <laughs> the just the balls. That's what that is. Just the balls and the chutzpah, or the I don't know how. You, maybe we got tons of words for it. Yeah. But man, that's that's incredible. You know. And then the Americans showed back up in Paris, and there was Django with his guitar. Like, oh, yeah, you guys are back. I've been waiting for you. Like. <laughs> You guys are way cooler than these buzzkills. One last question for you, Jeremy. <laughs> um, 
So you got these five albums, and you got food and water, and and you got a uh, crank powered Victrola. We are gonna allow you as you escape up into this location that you don't want to share with us. You can. This is scary. You can bring one item with you as long as you uh, you can carry it. I don't know. I don't know stuff. Stuff like this is. One item, one I don't know, pocket knife, I guess. Like that makes sense. Like it's up to you. Yeah. I was thinking, like, I was gonna go like booze or something. But, like, <laughs> I run out of booze. And... You run out of that in a day or two. That wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know, like a you know. gun or so, I don't know. There's zombies, right? Like yeah. I don't know, I think about this. Like, do I want a gun or like a chainsaw like if i get a chainsaw do i get like a bunch of gas too for the, right that wouldn't last you very long yeah like a, a knife is probably yeah like a pocket better for maybe like a like a bigger yeah i'm an eagle scout I'm, yeah what would i want to bring in the woods like a, i don't know some matches or something like a pocket knife and some matches oh yo you only get one item there jerry yeah i know that would be two yeah, i'm not going you're not going. <laughs> what are we doing here? Is this? It's getting a little creepy. Am I about to get kidnapped? <laughs> Sent to the woods? It's getting cold, man. All right, Jeremy. Thank you for being on uh, Mile High Stash. And, um, you know, everybody out there, I, I really urge you to listen to Gold Hill Serenade by Jeremy Money. It's a great album that is positively transporting. And um, it's old-timey, but somehow Jeremy just keeps cranking out stuff that feels fresh. I was going to say, you know, don't don't let anybody sway you, but if you have the chance, check it out. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here, man. Just want people to like it. They will. I hope so. And there he was, the young man himself, Jeremy Money, saxophone, clarinet, vocals, and a uh, sense of humor and creativity and uh, eccentricity, if I ever saw it. Uh, thanks for listening to Mile High Stash, and we will be with you again soon. Petals all over the wall Well, I know you think you're on a crusade You gotta work